All right, let's switch gears here. Let's bring on our next guest, ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz, who, of course, is a little richer today because you don't have to buy a steak dinners now. <laughs> you know what? I was, I'll be honest. I was worried. There was a moment in that second <laughs> half where I was getting puckered up, and I was like, man, I don't know how much. And let me tell you, I rarely, you know, I'm dabbling now. They've made sports gambling legal in Tennessee, so I've done some dabbling when I've been in and around Nashville where I can go ahead and, and place a little wager on the game. So I placed a small wager on the passing yards for Patrick Mahomes at 320 yards. And let me tell you, at halftime, I felt good about that. I was like, man, I got this gambling thing down. And then the second half hit, and I said, I'm never, I'm never putting money on an individual again. It's too, it's too unpredictable. So I thought you, I thought you were going to get me though. For a, for a solid few minutes, I thought you were going to get me. Thank you, Chad Henney. Uh, you know, speaking of Chad Henney, there was a certain point in that game where, you know, I kind of put our bet off to the side. I forgot about it a bit. I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't, and by the way, I also found some dollars to put on it, but that's besides the point. Uh, but, you know, there's a certain point in the game where I'm like, oh man, Henny throws an interception. So the Browns had just scored to make it 22-17. Henny throws the interception. All momentum's in favor of the Browns. And I'm like, oh man, they're going to do this. They're at least going to get the lead late in this game. And then it's all bets are off as far as that goes. But yeah, obviously it would have been a, a win in a, sensation of not the way we had anticipated, but obviously the Browns are the Browns and the Chiefs came out on top. But what a win for the Chiefs against all odds with their quarterback going out and, of course, having Henny come in. Andy Reid, man, they, you saw the funny memes about the size of you know his manhood. I mean, that was pretty impressive, him going for it the way he did late in that game. Well, not only that, but to do it with their backup quarterback and to snap the ball earlier than like, if you listen to the, the uh, count beforehand, you could hear Henny talking about the clock and then they unexpectedly snapped it. I mean, it was a stunner. Everything about the way that play went down was a stunner. And look, to be real, that's one of those moments that if any of our favorite teams did that and it was incomplete and you lost the game, then we'd be saying our coach is a bum and an idiot. But when you're Andy Reid, you just don't care. I mean, and that's what we've seen. Like, you, you would expect that with Mahomes. But when you got Chad Henney in there and you're putting the ball in Henney's hand on a rollout where he's got to complete it on the move, I mean, I just, I, I was stunned by the play call, by the everything that they did in that moment. It was perfect because it worked, and it's a reminder that you don't beat the Chiefs just by having a better quarterback than they do for one particular day. you got to have a better coach than they do, and that's difficult. How's your Browns fans feel about this season? Well, I mean, this is a, a stinging answer because uh, I think it's a very talented team, and Stefanski's turned out to be a, a very good coach. So there's a lot to be really excited by. I'll always go back to my experience. This is sort of the... The moment I, I give everybody just a little bit of a warning because I remember in 2016 I was sitting down with my wife and I was like, "Man, I don't know which jersey to get. Do I get Mac, Carr, or Cooper? Because for the next five years the Raiders are going to be the team in the AFC West. Everything is good. They were 12 and four coming off of one of those years where they won every unimaginable way. And you know, wh while the Browns are a very good team and they have a lot of talent, I still think you have to win when you're in your window. This year they had that opportunity. I think Browns fans should be a little bit saddened by the fact they weren't able to take the next step this year, even though they, they got farther than usual because nothing in the NFL is guaranteed. And realistically, I mean, if you're the Browns, you feel like you've got a good team, but you also got to look around and say, well, you know, so do the Ravens. And the, the Bengals are going to get better, whether it's the Bengals or not. The Bengals are going to get better. So, you know, I, I look at the division thinking things aren't going to get easier. They're going to have to keep grinding and hope that, they can pop through. So it's a, there's a moment of appreciation for this year, but also a moment of opportunity loss. Because if you go back and look the last few years, there's a lot of teams, the Raiders, the Bears, the Jags, that all thought that they were on the precipice of being good for several years in a row, and it just didn't work out that way. Kevin and I were 
you know, 22 points. The Cleveland Browns give up 22 points. And I feel like we were watching two different games because Kevin and I started out the show a little heated and ultimately we're just all arguing the same thing. But 22 points on paper, if you're just a box score, you know, fan of football, man, the Browns' defense showed up. They shut down the Kansas City Chiefs' offense. Sure, there was no Patrick Mahomes in the second half, but you still shut them down. I feel like that defense was just straight-up garbage. I told Kev, I tweeted out at a certain point during the game, I felt like I was watching Alabama against Ohio State, the national title game. Kansas City, the Chiefs were moving the ball at will. The points didn't necessarily match the dominance that I felt I was watching as far as the offense of the Chiefs is concerned. How would you break down the defensive effort of the Browns, who I felt like they were playing a damn prevent defense from the time, from the first play of the game? Uh, you're, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Look, the Chiefs didn't have great rhythm, and they got into the red zone and kept settling for field goals, which is not something we're used to seeing from them, right? You know, so you, you look at the Chiefs, and this has been my knock on Kansas City all year. They remind me of the Lakers in the bubble. Like, when they care, they are unbeatable, and then they look bored for a while. So I expected them to come out and be lights out in this game. They really weren't. You know, their defense held up better than I expected their defense to hold up in the first half, but I also was a little curious of the Browns' game plan going into that one. I thought it was a little surprising that they weren't just trying to run the ball down the throats more of the Chiefs because we know that works. But uh, for the Browns defensively, I mean, I, I felt like they were lucky to get out of the first half not down by three touchdowns. It, it, the, the ability for Mahomes and the Chiefs to just get yards in big plays whenever they wanted uh, was stunning to watch. So, you know, kudos to them for making it a game at the end, but let's not pretend that the first half looked like it wasn't a predictable outcome. So the big question is to sign Baker now or to sign Baker later? What should the Browns do? Uh, that's the toughest question for every team in the NFL because it, later means more expensive. And, you know, I, I, I yell this constantly to everybody that it's not about being great. It's about having your contract come up at the right time for a quarterback that you believe is good enough to win your games. And I had a former NFL coach tell me years ago when I was hanging out with him once, he said, you know what? If you got a quarterback that you don't think will lose you football games, you'll overpay to keep what you know. And a lot of teams do that when they get into this situation. So, you know, if you're looking at Baker, I mean, I'd sign him now. Not because I think that Baker is going to be the epic franchise quarterback that, you know, I don't think he's going to end up being Mahomes, you know, but at the same time, do you really want to dip into the draft to see what you can find that's better than Baker? Because if you're the Browns, you're going to be good enough for the next few years. You're not going to be picking high enough to get yourself Trevor Lawrence, even if things go wrong likely your best-case scenario is to be looking for somebody like a Kyle Trask or a Mac Jones later in the first round, right? So I just don't think there's an easy replacement. Like, replacement value matters to me. So I'd sign Baker and just sort of take your lumps. And just, again, I'll use my Raiders fandom as a reminder to everybody, but when Derek Carr signed that deal, everybody thought that the Raiders had lost their mind. But they signed him early, and now what do you know? The deal's normalized, and he's only getting about $25 million a year, which for a quarterback isn't even top half cap. Uh, of the league salary. So, you know, get ahead of it, take your lumps early on, and then the contract will normalize. We have ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz from Spain and Fitz hanging out with us here today on the Justin Kinder Show talking all things Browns, NFL playoffs. Uh, you know, we'll get to a Buckeye question or two here in a moment. But uh, staying in the AFC real quick, Jason, you know, you see the Browns, they squandered an opportunity with Patrick Mahomes going out. And, you know, they only lost 22-17. But I'm looking at the other AFC playoff game. The Baltimore Ravens, you hold a explosive Bills offense to only 17 points. You, have, you are the Baltimore Ravens. You have reigning MVP in Lamar Jackson and you lose, only giving up 17 points, you only put three on the board. The Browns, the Ravens, which team do you believe squandered a bigger opportunity in the, in the AFC divisional round, in your opinion? 
The Ravens, and you're a thousand percent right. You held a dynamic offense to 17 points. Your defense came in lights out. And yet again, you just didn't seem to have any identity offensively, any idea what you're doing offensively. I mean, at some point, you know, this is oversimplification, but you guys know that I believe that when you've got a young quarterback that you trust, you have an obligation to get that young quarterback weapons and then see who he can be. And that's what the Bills have done. I mean, the, the smartest thing that the Bills did was they let Josh Allen grow sort of in a bubble. They didn't care about anybody else's opinion. Then they added dynamic pieces around him. And what do you know? Bam, we have the Bills with an explosive offense. For the Ravens, I mean, what is their identity at this point? How are they generating yards? Yes, they have a former MVP and quarterback that at times looks absolutely spectacular. But if you need five yards from Lamar Jackson, what's the one play that you know you cannot stop them on? We all know that there are certain plays where you see Mahomes roll out, you know that they're going to run as they showed you 15,000 times on the broadcast, that one little skinny <laughs> play that they're going to play, right? Like, we all know that. But it, it speaks to, okay, there are certain moments that you say as a team, this is who we are, and this is how we impose their will, our will. And that's what the Browns, when the Browns were playing the best, it was when they realized, hey, we got running backs that are going to be able to just wear you down and kick your butt, and we'll take our shots when we get them. For the Ravens, I don't know what the answer to that is. Like, every once in a while you'll find a team that's not disciplined enough to stop the run or stop Lamar from rolling out. Other than that, they just don't have a lot. So I think they need an entire new game plan, and they absolutely squandered their opportunity. Huh, so how could they do that? What, what is it that the Ravens could do? Maybe it's an Eric Bieniemy. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, what I predicted at the beginning of the season actually <laughs> might have some legs to it. I haven't heard it one dang place, and I'm surprised. Look, I don't think Harbaugh is a bad coach at all. I just think when you're at a place long enough, the voice you know starts falling on deaf ears a little bit. I think Harbaugh would be swooped up pretty quickly elsewhere. Uh, but you're not moving on from Lamar Jackson, your MVP quarterback. You're not moving on from you, you know much of anything. I just think that it would be a, a much-needed spark for this team if they look to Eric Bieniemy, we're hearing his name for a lot of spots that are filling up, and vacant jobs are no longer as vacant. I, I, it's weird. I'm not advocating to fire Harbaugh. I'm more so advocating to fire to hire Bieniemy. But you can't do one without the other. So, but that to me it would be a spark in the offense for the Ravens that I think they're looking for instead of this dry approach of just hoping Lamar can run you to a Super Bowl. Yeah, well, you're not wrong about that. And at some point, you got to decide what you're comfortable being. You know, like what's the cost of relevance versus the cost of excellence. Like, and there's there's really different categories there. Like as a fan of a team that usually stinks, I'll take being relevant. <laughs> as if once your team is relevant, though, you suddenly turn around and say, okay, I want I don't want to just be relevant. I want to be excellent. I want to win Super Bowl. There's nothing about the way the Ravens are constructed offensively right now that makes me think they can win a Super Bowl. So at some point, you got to turn around and say, okay, am I just beating my head against the wall over and over and over again? So you know, I'm not a fan of change for the sake of change, but I'm also not a fan of just sitting back and saying, okay. We are who we are, and we'll hope that one year we get lucky. We know what the line is in the AFC. It's you got to be better than Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I don't see any reason to believe that this Baltimore team can do anything to be better than Andy Reid and, and, uh, and Patrick Mahomes. So the other quarterback that's sitting out there, kind of in limbo, is Deshaun Watson. What is going on there? Is he going to be the quarterback for the Texans next season, or do you see him playing for someone else? I, if you'd asked me a week ago, I'd have said we're all making too much of uh, of nothing, right? Like, so he's unhappy. He'll figure it out. But it's not going away. And he's so vocal. Like, this is such an NBA player mindset in the NFL, which we've never seen to this level. I mean, the only time I can remember a top quarterback obviously deciding they just won't play was Carson Palmer. And uh, obviously, you know, for the Bengals, he just said, no, I'm out. But it's rare to see somebody with Deshaun Watson's bank account that turns around and says, you know what? I'm not sure I want to deal with this anymore. Now the Texans got to fix it, 
and they haven't done anything the right way to actually fix it. So, yeah, I think he's on the open market. And, frankly, if I'm a team that's on the verge, uh, you know, because there's no trade cause, you got to be a team that you believe is going to be a playoff contending team. If I'm a playoff contending team and you tell me I have to give up every first and second round pick for the next three to five years in order to get Deshaun, I'm doing it. I'm not even blinking because I got a scouting department and a GM that should be able to build with the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks, build value that way. But you got a quarterback in the peak of his career that's got 14, 15 years left in this league that will make you a playoff caliber team year in and year out if you don't just completely texting it up. Like, I, I, I would absolutely take that all day. Like, if you told me that my beloved Raiders were giving up all their first and seconds for the next five years, but they got Deshaun Watson, I'd take it. You know, and it's funny, though, because as much as we talk about is it going to be surprising to see him play elsewhere, I do believe deep down that the Texans, who don't want to get rid of Deshaun Watson, kind of want to get rid of Deshaun Watson, not so much the quarterback but contract. I think they are such in disarray from a, from a you know, when you look at the money standpoint, that this would give them a breath of fresh air to be able, if they can get him to the Jets somehow and get that number two overall pick, and you get a Justin Fields, and now you freed up all this cap space, and it's like a breath of fresh air, it's like starting over from scratch. I believe, I know as weird as this sounds, like Eric Bieniemy. let's say that he takes over this Texans team. I think that's more of a disaster, taking over a team, even with Deshaun Watson, because of the cap space issues, than it would be taking over a Texans team with the number two overall pick with the Justin Fields uh, potential pick there at number two. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, the thing of it is, you get that number two overall pick, you, you, you have cheap labor, right? We all know that. You have the opportunity to get a player that's going to cost you a lot less. But, man... I mean, I just keep looking at the draft, and I think we take for granted what a crapshoot it is. Yep. I mean, uh, Baker's a perfect example. Year one, he's a world beater. Year two, everybody thinks he stinks. Year three, now, well, what are we going to do? We're going to we're going to sign him to more. You know what I mean? Like it's so up and down early on on quarterbacks that you know it's just hard for me. The Jets were convinced that they, it was worth trading up to get Sam Darnold, and we all saw how that worked out. So you know, if I'm Eric Bieniemy and I have the chance to take my first head coaching gig that took me way too dang long to get. Do I really want to go in with this situation where I also have to roll the dice on a college quarterback? I, I mean, that would make me nervous. And, and guys, I don't think this is just a Deshaun conversation either. I don't know why nobody's talking about the other quarterback in the state of Texas. I mean, at some point, Dak has, there's true. nothing secure and known about Dak's future. So I, I think both quarterbacks in, in the state of Texas are, are up for play and up for grabs on the trade market by the time we hit the draft. Wow. <laughs> That's just crazy. So who you got, man? Who you got in the NFC and AFC championships games? Who's going to the Super Bowl? I'm taking the Chiefs because I think we all think Mahomes is going to play. And even if he only, you know, even if he has a bum toe and, uh, you know, a weird neck and, you know, whatever else is going on, like, he's still Mahomes. So I'm not going to bet against Andy Reid and, and Kansas City. I do really love Buffalo, and I'd love to see the Bills win because those mafia is just so awesome to root for. But uh, I think the Chiefs go. And the, the tougher one, on the other side, I picked the Saints to beat the Tampa Bay, and I was obviously wrong. But, man, I just kept watching that Packers game and the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now. Like, he's just – nothing's wrong. Like, nothing – he doesn't make mistakes. Everything just feels like he does the right thing every time. And the way that Matt LaFleur has built that offense, I, I, it's hard for me to say that uh, Aaron Rodgers won't be in there. So I'm going to go with Packers uh, taking on the Chiefs, although – if I was just going from a fan mindset, I really think the concept of the Bills making to the Super Bowl and having to beat Brady to win it would be the ultimate like <laughs> troll. So, like, I wish we were getting that, but I think we're getting Kansas City versus Green Bay. 
All right, as we send you out here, and again, we have ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz with us here. As we send you out with this, just with you working so closely with a lot of former players at ESPN, Urban Meyer to Jacksonville, it sounds great. He's a name, he's a winner, he wins everywhere he goes, but that's at college. We all know the differences in the two. I'm confident, like, I feel confident that it's going to work, but I don't know what it works means. I'll just be honest with you. When I say I think it's going to work, I don't know if I mean Super Bowl or not. I just mean, hey, I think it, you know, changes a culture. I think it, it's going to get, you know, good guys in there that believe that they are, you know, good enough to win. What do you hearing about Urban Meyer's transition to the NFL taking over the Jaguars? Is this going to work? And what does work? What does it working mean to you? I think the hardest part is that you know not just the transition from college. And I've talked to a lot of guys around ESPN about that. And there are people that are, are, are curious about that. I'm not as worried about it simply because we see more college concepts coming into the NFL level, especially offensively right now. So I think it can work. My concern is that I talked to one college football person that. I know well, and he said he's never met anybody in his life that took losses more personally than Urban Meyer, not just on the field, but even a loss in recruiting, that it actually <laughs> eats at him in such a way that there's a thought that part of what hurts you know, his health issues has been the mental wear and tear that comes from losing. And if that's the case, he's going to Jacksonville. They're not going to – I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to be great. That, that roster is still garbage. So he's going to lose a lot of games the first couple of years, I think. I don't know how his health handles – losing at that level. So that would be my biggest concern. But uh, success, when you've got Trevor Lawrence coming in, who I'll argue is the most hyped uh, quarterback we've seen come out of college since Peyton Manning. And when you've got Trevor in there, the expectations in Jacksonville are going to be that you are, within two years, you're a division champion caliber team. That's a lot to try and get done in Jacksonville. We've never seen the level of sustained success, I think, that will be expected from Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. And the one thing Urban won't get is benefit of the doubt that Trevor isn't good because Trevor is so hyped that if it doesn't work out, no one's going to blame the quarterback. They're going to blame the coach. So I, I think it's a tough situation for Urban. But you want to talk about hype? Like the, the Jags could never get this level of hype with any other coaching combo that they were going to put together. So they put together a, a name brand coach people will be interested to follow that makes them relevant with the quarterback that's this hype. Like Jags are going to get more national TV games and more conversation than ever because of it. All right, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz, weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. right here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. Jason, thanks so much for your time. We'll touch base next week, and uh, looking forward to getting closer to the Super Bowl. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great week. Later.